Welcome to Humanly, the podcast providing allied health and integrative medicine practitioners with the most up-to-date, evidence-based and clinically relevant information. This podcast is a melting pot of ideas on health and well-being and does not replace the advice of your primary healthcare professional. Here's your host, Daniel Reuters. Hi, everyone. Hope you're going well. Daniel Reuters here from Humanly. Today, I'm joined by Paul Leendertz. Paul's from the uh, Holistic Healing Center, the Wheel of Life, and he's been helping people heal from chronic disease, healing from within for a number of years. And he's also the author of The Root Cause of Cancer. I'm thrilled to have you here, Paul. I'm actually more than thrilled. I'm uh, ecstatic because I think what you are doing is um, really important and I want practitioners and uh, my listeners to hear about it. So thank you for coming along. Thank you so much, Daniel. I'm really thrilled to be here. Yeah. Thanks for, for helping collaborate, you know, and get, get real valuable messages out to the world. I, I love what you're doing. So yeah. thanks for inviting me. No, more than welcome, Paul. Um, I actually saw your uh, work that you were doing with Jason Kristoff and I follow him quite closely and I was like, wow, this guy's really cool. I wonder if I can get him on. So um, it's great to have some time to speak with you. Just for the listeners, are you able to give a bit of an overview of your background um, in the health industry, what your journey was like and what led you to get to where you are today? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think most of, most of my experience is based on working one-on-one with cancer patients in late stages cancer who've been told nothing else can be done. And I actually started a program where I spent, well, where they would live with me for 30 days at a time. And for 30 days, they would be focused entirely on every single aspect of healing that we could, you know, focus on together. And so I, I've been doing that for many years and I've been exposed to all sorts, all different types of cancer. And what I do is this, this entire time for many years is I've been um, assessing people's lives, like looking into every aspect of their life that I can physical factors, like what they're eating, of course, but mental, emotional factors, what kinds of stresses might exist in their life and spiritual factors, you know, like their reason for living and um, belief systems. So a lot of my knowledge is based on pioneering work. And that's why I've just been kind of gifted information because really uh, these brave people who have wanted to heal from within and wanted to find a way to heal when all, all the traditional approaches and even alternative approaches still were not working for them, they essentially taught me. So by, by exposing me to what's going on, you know, so I've collected like really valuable information because of that. I started off as a certified kinesiologist. So I have a science background from university. And, and then I went heavily into, I realized science has limitations because uh, for a variety of reasons. Like I, I understood that I, I wanted to have a more holistic approach to health as well. So then I, uh, I have a lot of <clears throat> certifications with the Czech Institute in California. So I'm a Czech practitioner. So I kind of have a combination of a science background, holistic education, 
and then my own pioneering work. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, uh, does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. Um, the only thing that I think you may need to clarify is um, what a kinesiologist does, because I think it's very different to what a kinesiologist ah. does here in Australia. So can you clarify that? that is, that's all right. Okay. So the there's, yeah, cause there's kinesiologists that do work where you connect to a person's like soul or their intuition and, and you check to see what's good for them or, or what's in alignment for them with regards to what's going to help them heal. Hmm. So I have some training in that, but, but my scientific background of kinesiology is totally different. That's based on the study of human movement. So kinesiology in Canada at the University of uh, Waterloo is where I got my degree. That's the study of human movement. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's very different to what probably most of the listeners are familiar with when they hear of a kinesiologist. Um, yeah. So you went through that process of becoming a kinesiologist and how did you get from that to working with people and helping them to heal from really serious and debilitating chronic illnesses? Good question. Um, thank you for asking that. Um, it was kind of unplanned. I, I feel like I've just been sort of meant to go into this realm because many years ago, I think it was 12 years ago now is when I began work with cancer patients because at that time, I was already a holistic health coach actually. And I was pretty knowledgeable about like back then I was already aware of how important it is to just eat organic whole food and to drink clean water and to sleep, you know, well, consistently. If you can't get those things down, then you're, you're automatically going to end up with symptoms in the body because those are needs. So way back then I was kind of already deeply into health, but my stepfather developed lung cancer and my best friend's father developed lung cancer as well. And they were told that they had different types of cancer, but also told that they had a rare form of cancer, which I've also noticed is really common. People are told they have this rare form of cancer. And as I hope I get some time to share, I, that concept of a rare form of cancer isn't helpful. And I don't feel it's actually accurate either, but I'll, I'll get to that later. Um, so what both, of, what both my stepfather and my best friend's father did is a huge, huge range of, of protocols to try to destroy their cancer. Um, they, they had one foot in the traditional approach, the war on cancer, and one foot in the alternative approach, which is also a war on cancer. It's still a battle, actually. It's about strengthening the immune system to then be able to destroy the cancer. And both of them passed. Neither one of them healed. So one did radiation and surgery. Another one, the other one did chemotherapy. Both of them worked with different, like a huge range of alternative people doing guided meditations, acupuncture, like high quality supplements, uh, juicing, and just tons and tons and tons of stuff. And yet both of them died. So, and, and also they were listening to my advice back then, 12 years ago, which is you got to eat organic food. You got to do all these physical things. Mm. And somehow all of that failed. So that really hit me hard 
as you can imagine, like I lost two people that were close to me, but I, but it also hit me with an awareness that like, how could all of this fail that there must be something else that's wrong here. And I started reflecting on, well, you know, what if the whole theory of cancer itself is wrong? You know, what if, what if cancer shows up for a different reason than what the mainstream theory is? The theory of cancer and what causes it has changed for many, many decades and centuries. You know, like way back in the past, it was thought that it had to do with something called black bile that accumulates in the body. At one time, cancer was thought it was an infectious disease that could be spread. One of the first hospitals in France was actually torn down and moved way out into a remote area because all everyone in society thought that anyone that had cancer would spread cancer to everyone else. So it would only... So they, they moved the hospital right out of the city. Wow. And, you know, today we know that cancer is obviously not infectious. So the theory has just been changing and changing and changing. And so now we've had this current model, this current accepted theory, just like all the others, which says that there's nothing you can do. It's, it has something to do with genetics. You know, you one day some kind of damage occurs to one of your cells and then it now starts to multiply out of control and we have to now destroy that cell before it destroys us and that's like the generally accepted theory but what's interesting is a child can develop cancer and this genetic mutation leads to a cell that's multiplying out of control an old person can develop cancer and this cell is always multiplying out of control it, it doesn't make any sense you know like a, a recent client that i worked with She's had a lump in her breast now, and since we started working, it stopped growing, and it hasn't changed in size in six months. And she's working on she's working on continuing to address the root cause, which I've helped her understand. And you know, if cancer was really multiplying out of control, the lump would be far bigger by now. And the average person that gets diagnosed with cancer has had cancer for seven years and didn't even know. And then we have examples of people having what, what's been termed a spontaneous remission. And a spontaneous remission is when a person's cancer, you know, they don't do any treatment, they do nothing. So in my research uh, years ago, you know, there's stories of people who they're told you have cancer, you're going to die, nothing you can do. And this, this one man, I forget his name now, but he decided, you know what, if I'm going to die, well, then I'm just going to spend the rest of my life being happy. With the, I, I, They gave him a month to live. So he went and rented a cabin out in the woods somewhere in a remote place. And he just hiked every day and he went and drank spring water and he relaxed and just was totally free, breathing fresh air. He wasn't at work anymore. He wasn't in any of the responsibilities and stresses of life. And after that mo month, when he went back to the medical system, they tested him again. Because even though they tell him nothing can be done, they still want to do treatments, of course. And when they test him, he has no cancer. So then they say, well, isn't, they don't even, ask, they don't even say, isn't that interesting? They don't even look into it. They just write it off like, well, that's a spontaneous remission. You know, there's, there's no real explanation for that. That's just something that happens out of the blue. So we'll just kind of forget about that. But if you actually look really deeply into things, which I've done extensively, so I, this isn't a, so my book is called The Root Cause of Cancer because I'm actually sharing that this is the case, that 
cancer isn't the, the result of a cellular error that leads to this cell that's kind of like uh, trying to destroy us that we have to destroy first, which is this whole concept of a war, which prevents people from really taking seriously um, their responsibility for healing. You know, like it's to, to really truly heal, you have to take responsibility to heal. But if, but if the, if the theory is that, you know, you have to destroy this cell, well, then you have to go elsewhere and find someone to provide the, the protocol of war. <laughs> and it, it really, it really, for many dec decades, this theory has caused people to live like very afraid. So they're very afraid to actually take responsibility for themselves, have the confidence to make changes, you know, and really energize a true healing. Because if you, if you, you know, like with my stepfather, sure, if you can shrink a tumor with something like uh, radiation, you know, maybe that's a good thing. But the tumor oftentimes grows back and sometimes grows very quickly. It might take a year or two years, but it oftentimes grows back because the cause of the tumor hasn't been addressed and the cause is what's going on in a person's life. Mm. So this is what got me into this is losing two people that I loved to cancer and realizing that all these approaches aren't working. So I thought way outside the box. And this is what led me to the discovery of the root cause of cancer, which as a general statement is in fact stress. And it's, there's more details to it, but it is in fact stress. And when the stress is actually addressed, like actually addressed and resolved, cancer goes away. And it, that, that might sound like some kind of a miracle. Well, that's impossible. Cancer cells are cells that multiply out of control and destroy us. We can't do anything about that. We have to just continue in this year, decade and decade and decades of war. And finally, one day we'll find the cure. And you know, the cure is a really dangerous concept because this, this concept of a cure essentially means essentially that when body when some sort of a disease starts to manifest itself in our body it has nothing to do with what's going on in our life like we don't need to change anything that's leading to that we can just simply go and get the cure you know so like if you're if you're working in a um in a job where you're being exposed to chemicals and you're breathing in chemicals on a daily basis and it's causing headaches. And after a few months of that, now you're starting to have migraines. And after a few months of that, you can't sleep at night. These are all symptoms appearing because the cause is related to your job, which is exposing you to chemicals, but it's okay. There's this cure that's been found where you can go and take this, whatever this is, this, this, this herb from the rainforest or this drug from the medical system, and now all of a sudden your headaches are gone, your migraines are gone, but we don't have to worry about the chemicals anymore. Yeah. You see what I mean? It makes, it makes no sense at all. This, this concept of a cure is, I'm, I really mean it's a dangerous concept because it, it, kind of, it kind of leads people away from their power to actually look after themselves. Like it leads people, it's kind of like, gets people to just hand their power over and not focus on making their life truly nourishing and healing for themselves.
because if someone's in a job where they're being exposed to chemicals on a regular basis, well, then that's not good for them. So this needs to change, you know, this needs to change. And that is the real cure change, positive change. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because it takes years to develop cancer. Well, to my understanding, it does. It, it takes a long time to get to that point. And you're right. People just assume that they can take a pill or a potion or get a surgery or have it burnt off and it will go away. And that's the answer to the problem. Cancer is not a chemotherapy deficiency. So we can't go and exactly treatments. It's not going to ever fix the problem. Um, yeah. So when we are talking about these, and I'm interested in the whole stress concept, but I first want to sort of explore a little bit where those um, reactive therapies came from. So I think the three main ones that come to mind when someone's got cancer is chemotherapy, radiation therapy, and surgery. So where did they come from and why are we... Um, utilizing them now and it doesn't seem like there's been much advancement in any of those areas no there hasn't been it's it's the same story like decade after decade new hope in the war on cancer you know you can do google searches it's getting harder but you can find time magazine articles i have a time magazine article in my book it's from 1951 and it says fresh hope on the war on cancer and it has like this big radiation machine and you see this like decade after decade, this new, these messages, we're almost there. We've almost found the cure. And meanwhile, as this has been going on, the rate of cancer has been increasing and increasing. And the rate of cancer today, a lot of people don't know this, but it's right on the Cancer Institute's websites. The actual statistical rate of cancer is one in two people. Did you say one in 200? One in two people. One in two, yeah, one, one in two, yeah. And that's based on a five-year survival rate. So that means what they also do is when they create these statistics, what, they do, what they've been doing is trying to diagnose people earlier and earlier and earlier. Um, and because remember I said the average person, studies show the average person has cancer for seven years before they're even diagnosed. So the, the statistics are based on five-year survival rate. So when someone's diagnosed with cancer, then they start going through typically treatments, their cancer shrinks, grows back, then their cancer goes away, then two years later, it comes back and every, it keeps getting worse usually, like the, the messenger of cancer, like the symptoms that are coming from root causes in a person's life, uh, they just keep um, becoming more intense. So then you have people uh, having metastasized cancer and if they're still alive after five years from that original diagnosis, they're recorded as successfully, like a successful cancer survivor. So if they die five years and 10 days later, they're still recorded as a cancer survivor. Mm -hmm. So this statistic of one in two people is based on that. So it's, it's a very, very um, you know, sad reality, painful reality. But by actually understanding cancer, which we're talking about now, and really making real change, we can take, we, you know, we can change this reality. We can be one of the one out of two that doesn't develop cancer. So I think what has happened, to answer your original question, where did this, where did chemotherapy and radiation and, and, and these concepts come from? 
Well, if you go back in time, the very foundation of the medical system is not really focused on addressing root causes in general anyways. So we're talking about cancer, but if someone goes to the hospital and they have diabetes or they have, you know, uh, congested heart, you know, congestive heart um, condition or poor circulation or high blood pressure or headaches or rashes on their skin, it's very rare. Um, you, would, you would have to be dealing with some kind of a special doctor or nurse who has, you know, kind of taken, you know, taken a step to cause real positive change. Um, it, it's very rare to find a doctor or nurse that's actually going to look into the person's life and help them really truly start making positive changes in their life. Try to look at what are they eating? What's going on? What kind of stresses do they have? It's rare to find a doctor or nurse that cares that much about people and cares that much about actually making real progress in this world, in humanity. What's normally what normally occurs, which was occurring way back when the war on cancer began in the medical system, and this is what doctors and nurses are trained to do as well, it's just part of their education, is just to simply identify the symptoms. And, and people already know that, like they come in and they say, I have this rash on my skin. And the doctor says, yes, you have a rash on your skin, and then records what kind of rash that's classified as, and then looks up in the system, what kind of drug do they get for that? And then they give them the drug and they go home. And unfortunately, this is incredibly profitable. It just, it's really sad, but it gives people some kind of temporary relief. Drugs usually give some kind of temporary relief. Mm. It never addresses the root cause. So their rash comes back, then they get another drug and then their headache comes back and they get another drug. And this is kind of the very foundation of the medical system is, is to just deal with symptoms. Mm. So when, when, so when, when they discovered that, so cancer hasn't been understood, maybe like, I don't know if it's ever been understood really. <laughs> I kind of think it has been understood at times. And then the real truth of it just fades away because I have discovered other doctors who have their, their discoveries have been sort of suppressed. And, you know, oftentimes when the truth starts to come out, people are just labeled as a quack because it either challenges someone's education or it challenges someone's um, degree or, or it challenges someone's pocketbook. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like actually making real progress and creating a beautiful world of healthy human beings, we somehow have to, we ha- have to somehow reach a point where people start caring more about that actually than money. Yeah. And, and they have enough courage and bravery to, undergo their own transformation and start to practice health differently and start to teach different concepts because they actually care about real progress, you know, about these higher, higher virtues and values. So I think chemotherapy is just an extension of this system of treating symptoms. So naturally, if you can, like I said before, if you have a tumor that's um, causing pain because it's putting pressure on a nerve, well, it would, it would be very helpful and important and critical to shrink that tumor or get rid of it. So if you could just cut it out, now the person has immediate relief from that pain. They have the new pain of the surgery, but they can, heal, they can regenerate from that. 
And, you know, so, wow, that's really valuable. But still, there's addressing the root cause still hasn't been done. So as, as time went on, then they just try to, you know, sometimes surgery doesn't work. Like uh, I, I just did a session with someone yesterday. She has a brain tumor and they can't, they can't cut the whole thing out. They can just cut a portion out. So then the only other thing they know what to do, which is not to actually focus on health, um, the only other thing they know what to do is to give her chemotherapy, but she doesn't want to take chemotherapy in the brain because this is the third time she's had this tumor grow back now because the first two times it was surgery, didn't change anything in her life. And now, now this will probably, this would probably destroy her, you know, taking chemotherapy in the brain is, is, uh, it's risky to start with anywhere in the body because you're, you're literally injecting poison. But, you know, it, it's been shown that if you poison any cell in the body, it destroys the cell. You know, you put chemotherapy on your hand, it'll burn your hand. Mm. You know, nurses and doctors have to be very careful that they don't get exposed to it because it'll make them sick. Um, so if you can somehow deliver the dose of chemotherapy mostly or directly to a tumor, which is impossible because it's very difficult to do that. That's why it never actually works. That's why we're 50 years in doing the same thing. And we still, we don't have success. We're still in this war on cancer. Um, then at least there's some kind of progress, like some kind of temporary progress, like I said, but you know, so, and this is, this is like, this is the extent of the medical system. It's just to find a way to treat symptoms. And it's, it's sad to me. It's sad to me that um, people go into the medical system. Sometimes they have, you know, um, a piece of their liver cut out or, or an ovary removed or uterus cut out. And then, and then they come back, you know, a year later with a worse condition. It's, it's, it's really sad to me. So I'm happy to actually be experiencing a new world. A new world is unfolding where people are actually starting to like see the light, like real change is happening. Um, people are um, starting to realize how important it is to be happy in order to heal. And people are realizing, oh my God, when I eat organic food, not only do my symptoms start to disappear, uh, but I'm actually starting to see more animals outside in the fresh air and the sunlight. And it's so healing just seeing other animals that are happy, you know, instead of this, this old concept of having animals just cooped up inside of a barn where they don't even get sunlight. And then now they're sick. And then we have bird flu outbreaks and swine flu outbreaks. And then we think that the solution is a vaccine. Uh, I mean, if it's just the same story. Let, let's create an environment that causes disease and then let's not actually solve it. We'll just try to deal with the symptoms with like some kind of an injection. And so we have, uh, that's what's going on. So the, the human race, I think, is starting to wake up. More and more people are, are, are cutting things out that are addictive. More and more people realize that pop has like 10 teaspoons of refined sugar in it. More people are realizing that alcohol is never really going to create happiness. And so we have like this ecstatic dance movie, movement happening where people are learning how to dance from their soul and really enjoying themselves. And we have more people getting into art and more real farmers emerging that want to connect to the soil. And, you know, we've got um, people starting to care about nature and connect to nature and not want to just cut down trees and, and protect trees. So I think we can start seeing big trees growing again on the planet and 
people wanting to connect to the water and you know <laughs> like um uh there's there's a lot more um people discovering their mission in life you know like they're connecting to their passions in life their purpose in life where they're not just working for money but they're actually working because they're contributing to humanity in some kind of a really beautiful way yeah uh maybe they're making handmade clothing um out of organic material um or they're they've created some kind of a concept of delivering delivering food right to a person's door in glass bottles instead of plastic and you know there's there's there, this this awakening is occurring so we've come to this peak of sort of disease where one two people are developing cancer but that i think one of the special things about cancer is i think it creates a really powerful motivation for positive change because it affects everybody it doesn't matter children develop cancer old people develop cancer any it doesn't matter if you're rich you can still develop we have celebrities developing cancer yeah so cancer is this like really unfortunate experience that's occurred but i think it's also the one of the most powerful motivating forces to get the whole all humanity to start changing their values and really taking responsibility and making positive change yeah certainly a paradigm shift happening paul and i've noticed that uh the last 12 months people are starting to become more health conscious and more aware of what they're putting in their mouths and what they're putting on their skin and what thoughts they're thinking but as you were talking there about the, the chemotherapy, uh, I remembered back to a conversation I had with a couple of friends of mine who are both doctors. And we're probably going back four or five years ago now. And I remember saying to them, why doesn't the medical system um, come out with new drugs or therapies to treat cancer? Why is it stagnated? And why are they not getting any better outcomes here? And they said, what are you talking about? They almost got offended. <laughs> they were like, they're developing new forms of chemotherapy for new cancers all the time. It's like, so that's where the money is going when they're doing all the research and the uh, fundraising and things. It's let's find a new type of chemotherapy or let's see if we can give a different dose or it's always focused around chemotherapy and they're never thinking outside the box. And a lot of patients that I've seen with cancer over the years, they've said to their oncologist, what can I do from a mental health perspective? You know, should I be doing meditation? Should I be doing mindfulness? Um, should I be doing self-acceptance therapy? Should I be changing my diet? And the answer is you can, if you want to, it's not going to do anything that chemotherapy is going to be the yeah. answer for you. So do you think that we're going to get to a point where the medical system sees the light or are we going to have to, um, sort of take this upon ourselves do you think they'll ever integrate what we're trying to achieve with our patients well that's a good question um that's hard to answer for sure i mean i could the i would want to hope but hope isn't the greatest um <laughs> word um i think for sure we have to take responsibility for ourselves like mm. right away we have to just definitely make just take it into our own hands as individuals, you know, and really look after ourselves and do our own homework. And like with cancer, really understand the root cause and, and make sure that we either prevent it or heal if we develop it. 
because that's the one thing that we do have control over, despite what has what is taught mainstream. I think that there's a handful, there's a percentage of, you know, healthcare. Um, I don't even like the term really. It's more like disease care, but healthcare professionals that really care. There are handfuls, at least, of doctors and nurses that actually care, and they have the 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 maturity and the the heart to really focus on making real changes, you know, so that it's, so that they can change the system from the inside out. Yeah. So I, I'm sure that exists. A lot of people aren't aware, but in the, in the United States, a doctor commits suicide, but every day, every day, one doctor commits suicide. And um, I, you know, I think that the reason why that is, is because doctors, it's very difficult to change these things. Yes. You know, uh, it's like a doctor, for example, they spend a lot of hard work in medical school and a lot of money, years of their life. And it's very stressful. It's, you know, they have to make a lot of sacrifices, um, just focused, focused, focused on school. And then when they finally become a doctor and they enter into this world where they're, they find themselves treating symptoms all the time, but not really making any real positive change long term, that's, that's probably a crisis for a lot of people. Mm. So you're going to have, you know, and I think that some, of, some doctors that realize that they just decide they don't care and they'll just try to forget about it because, I mean, what are they, they going to do? So they just keep doing it. They just keep doing surgeries, doing the chemo, whatever it might be and try to just ignore that reality. Yeah. Uh, then there's doctors who quit. <laughs> I know that there's some doctors who just outright quit and follow their heart and just, and find entirely new ways of contributing to humanity. And that's the, that's a, that's a brave thing to do, but very amazing and, and appreciated. Um, and then there's ones that stay in the system, but start changing it from the inside out any way that they can one step at a time. And that has value. So I guess the turning point will come when we have enough people who really do take responsibility any way that they can, um, based on the circumstances that they're in. Do, do you think it to me like that time is coming? Sorry to interrupt you. I was going to say, do you think people in the past or even now currently aren't taking responsibility because they don't know that they can and they don't realize that they can actually heal themselves. They think it's once I've got yeah. through, it's a death sentence. So what the heck I'll put all my trust in the guy with the white coat. I can't do anything about it. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. I, I wanted to comment on something earlier. Yeah. Um, people, people get tr feel trapped like oftentimes when people are diagnosed with cancer, um, they, they are obviously and understandably um, just afraid, like extremely afraid and, and feel panicky and feel pressure to, to, to get this cancer to go away. And um, they, they end up just doing whatever they can since they don't, don't really know what to do for sure. Cause because there's, there's so many different ideas floating around out there in the alternative field too. Like people just get bombarded with, you know, take this supplement, this works, this protocol works. And then, then they've got doctors saying, none of that works. You've got to just do this. Changing your diet isn't going to work. People, people have to do something. 
And, you know, like when my, when my stepfather died, that's, I, I experienced this and my, my stepfather tried everything. It didn't work. And he just, he just, he felt like he had to succumb to the medical system and just do the chemotherapy because and the radiation, because if he doesn't do something, well then, then he'll surely die. And actually the reality is doing nothing is oftentimes more beneficial than all of that other stuff. Like I said, the, the guy that just went to the cabin and, and was free for a whole month, he actually reversed his cancer. Mm. Um, yeah. I remember reading a study a while ago. I think it was a um, Swedish study and they looked at like 500,000 women over a period of years. And there was very high rates of spontaneous regression in the women that did nothing with breast cancer, but right. that went and did yeah. other thing, spontaneous regression, yeah. very low in that. And, and people and a lot, that's, it's beautiful. And a, a lot of the science just doesn't actually add up. So we've entered into this um, reality today where a lot of science is just bought and paid for, you know, like if, if people can hear that the science says something, then they'll believe it a hundred percent because it, because it's science. Right. But people don't understand that, you know, you can create your own science today and you can alter the statistics and you can, you know, leave out certain factors so that you have a result that ends up being profitable or something. But I, I wanted to, before I forget, I wanted to say a lot of the reasons why doctors will tell people, you know, changing your diet isn't going to work. It's not going to help is because they see that that actually doesn't in many cases it doesn't. Although it is very important to still do. Um, the reason it doesn't is because what I'm explaining in my book and what I've discovered with cancer patients is that there actually is usually just one root cause of the cancer, right. just one root cause. Okay. And that root cause is the thing that has to be addressed to really truly heal. Mm -hmm. So for example, if, um, if, uh, like I use the example of a headache, so just to make it simple if a person's being exposed to chemicals and that's the actual cause of the headache, well, now they could say, look, you've got to get healthy. The reason you have headaches is because you, you're, not, you're not practicing certain lifestyle principles. So now we could get them eating organic food. We could get them drinking clean water and we could get them meditating and doing yoga and doing all these, whatever might be helpful and healthy and it really matters, but their headache still doesn't go away. Yeah. Because the root cause has to be addressed. Yes. So we have on the medical system and in the alternative system, a lot of people are playing guessing games. The medical system's doing things that are helpful sometimes, like a surgery, which extends a person's life. The alternative side is getting people to finally eat organic food um, and uh, make positive changes in their life. But then it still doesn't work. And the reason is because just the root cause hasn't been addressed. Yeah. And that's a fundamental principle of natural medicine is to identify and treat the root cause. And you mentioned earlier that stress is a big uh, part of that. And I think um, just thinking now, when you said that one in two people have got cancer, it's almost now that from a young age, you're now guaranteed that you're going to be getting cancer. So people are living in fear all their life of, Oh, I'm going to get cancer. So that stress probably contributes to the development of, of cancer but yeah 
what other forms of stress are going to impact that? Like obviously emotional, mental, environmental, any sort of chemical stress. Is that sort of what your um, perception of stress is there? Or is there a particular stress that does this? It's, it's actually very, very deep and very scientific. It's just not been studied hardly at all, but, um, uh, I actually have courses on this now that we're putting together to teach all the specifics okay. in my second book. My second book is all about the emotional cause of cancer, but basically, um, so physical sources count because, and, and it's, and also I should point out that it's chronic stress that is the real cause. So it's normal to be, have experience stress in a person's life. You know, like we're, we're all going to experience stress at some point that is not going to cause cancer. But if we experience stress continuously, some factor is present. That's chronically stressful. That's never going away. That's the actual cause. So there's so many different, every single person's cancer is totally unique. And sure, there's all these different names for different cancers, different types of lung cancer, different cancer that shows up in, in the liver and, and so on, in the intestines and so on. But really, it's all the same. It, it's actually just all the same. Yeah. Um, the, it's, the, the, the uniqueness of it has to do with the type of stress. So if a person's stressed about money, it will, it will, it will cause cancer to grow in a specific part of their body. Because the stress about money is registered in a specific part of the brain. And that specific part of the brain is connected to that part of the body. <laughs> so a lot of people don't understand, but the brain, the brain is considered to be this, like, um, this glob of fat and, and the brain is in the skull. And then, and then you think about nerves in the body at different locations of the body. You've, you know, if you touch your hand, you can feel that your hand was just touched because there's a nerve there. But what I actually am teaching my students is that the brain and the nerves is actually all one piece. Mm. It's one thing. It's one organism. And, it, and all it is, is it's a glob here. That's the main concentration. Then, then it reaches from there as one piece out to all parts of the body. So your brain is actually touching everywhere all the time. And so when you experience a, a thought that's stressful, that's tied to an emotion because it's always connected like uh, thoughts and emotions are tied together. It will actually register here, but affect somewhere in the body. So what I've done, what I've done over the years of working with many different cancer patients and different types of cancers, it's correlated at all. And so I, I, this isn't a theory for me. I, I can tell, I can, I, when I work with people with cancer, it's almost obvious to me why they have cancer right away. So, uh, so I mentioned colon, colon cancer, colon cancer. This isn't the only cause, uh, but one of the most common causes of colon cancer is stress about money is just constantly being under stress and worry about money. Interesting. And that's going to be unique for every person, you know? So one person might, um, have multiple credit card debts and then they have colon cancer related to that or or and and so on it's it's complex when it comes down to understanding what's really going on in a person's life hmm. there are some other causes of colon cancer but that's that's one main one that i would share right now so what you're saying is paul it's um all the talk about 
a lack of dietary fiber causing colon cancer probably is not, they're probably not hitting the mark there. No, not. It's rarely the cause rarely has anything to do with that at all. Yeah. Wow. Okay. But, but, but it's definitely one. So there are physical causes of cancer. So for sure, if people are eating toxic food, which somehow is legal, it, it still blows my mind that it's legal for, you know, like fast food companies to set up shop in a country and, and disperse all these food items to people that contain poisons, you know, we like, that, that we, we, we all know that those foods will make people sick. We, we know that it's just everybody. Know, I, I don't know if anyone doesn't know that mm. and yet it's legal. So if food like that accumulates in, in your intestines and it's, it's coming through the intestines on a daily basis and causing inflammation on a chronic daily basis, then of course you may develop cancer in your colon from that. That's perfectly possible. But, um, and, and the answer to that isn't eating more fiber. So still, if that's, if that's actually the reason, the root causes that food. So that's how to address it. Get rid of that food and don't replace it with fiber. Replace it with real food. Just start eating organic whole food meals. You know, free, if you're going to eat meat, free range, healthy, lovingly raised animals, completely different meat. You know, meat that's raised commercially is full of toxins. It's not even good. To, I, I wouldn't eat that. I, I do not eat commercially raised meat, but I do re eat lovingly raised free range animals that live a full, beautiful life. And then yes, one day they die. And, and, and that's even honored and sacred the way that they're um, killed in the end. And then they provide new life for others. And, uh, that's the wheel of life. That's the cycle of life. And that's hard for people to accept sometimes. Um, and um, because it can be emotionally painful to connect to the death of an animal. But that, that's a, we could do a whole podcast on that topic someday if you want. Because um, that can be really stressful for people. So I've had to really look into that. Yeah. That, that's, that's an example right there. I've had someone with cancer who's now cancer-free. And when she came to my program, one of the biggest stresses in her life was just this reality that animals are being killed all over the world and treated inhumanely. Wow. And she can't, she cannot let it go and can't relax because it's such, such a horrible reality. Like how, how can human beings do this? How can we have all these factories of thousands of chickens piled on top of each other, like living in their own feces and, and, being fed nutrition, uh, nutritionally deficient diets and injected with hormones. And it's just a horrible scenario. And that stress was eating at her and, and, and stressing her chronically, like literally on a daily basis. So she's posting on Facebook about veg vegetarianism and she's, you know, she's battling people and getting in fights with people. So there's another example, example of mental, emotional stress. And that was registering in her digestive system. So she had cancer in the small intestines. Mm, interesting. So, there to, to, so the one thing we have control over is to heal as an individual. But as people start to heal and really learn what's causing cancer and how this works, and we have enough people really truly becoming immune to cancer, because by the way, you can become immune to cancer. <laughs> Just so you know, like, 
once you really understand cancer, you can actually reach a point where you're in control of your life and your health to a point where you basically can't develop cancer. Like, I mean, of course I could go and any day I want to, I could go down to the corner and buy some fast food and get all sorts of inflammation going on in my intestines. And yeah, I could develop colon cancer, but because I'm aware of that now and I've, I've transcended that reality a long time ago and I'm eating organic food. Do you see what I mean? I'm basically immune to developing um, colon cancer with regards to that. And it's interesting you t- you, you're talking about the meat thing as well. Um, I was watching a YouTube uh, podcast the other day of a permaculture farmer and um, he raises organic um, farm animals. And he was saying, if you're going to eat a sick, diseased, nutrient deficient, toxic, um, stressed out piece of meat, you're going to become a diseased, sick, toxic, nutrient deficient, stressed out piece of meat. So we, yeah. we eat. And then obviously that, um, that stress factor is really tying in there. And as you were talking, it reminded me of this paper that I came across uh, about six months ago. And the title of the paper I'll send this to you. You might be interested in it. It's called how chronic fear results in hypoxia in tissues and cancer in humans through the Bohr effect. So when I Fantastic. six months ago, I was like, Oh, wow. So they're starting to look at uh, emotions and um, relating it to these feelings that people are having. So when you're saying, if you have a certain emotion, it's linked to a particular organ in the body is that sort of reminiscent of sort of the Chinese medicine model where you have um, certain emotions associated with certain organs or is it a completely different path that you're working on? Well, like I said, I just discovered this through working with people mainly, Um, but I'm aware of the Chinese model. So it's just confirmation for me, you know, like the, the truth of how things work is already there and we just need to discover it. (laughs) So I think, the Chinese medicine doctors discovered this a long time ago. Uh, so for example, they teach um, that anger affects the liver mm-hmm. and that I would confirm that based on everything I've experienced with, with my work is that definitely uh, when a person has some kind of a disease affecting the liver, what's really going on deeper way is that they have a lot of anger that is a result of, who knows what, because every, every situation is unique, but there's, there's anger that's actually behind that. And so that anger is the thing that needs to be healed or resolved and changed. And then miraculously you see the liver heal. So yeah, thanks for saying that. So Um, about your, um, I hope you don't mind me talking about your um, father-in-law, but he had lung cancer. So what was the emotion associated with lung cancer the emotion that's associated with lung cancer is grief grief okay so when 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 a person develops lung cancer and you, and you'll notice see it it appears like it's smoking right so people think the thing that causes lung cancer is smoking but it's it's not really the case what happens is when people are in so so what you'll see in society is because of all the emotional stress that's actually going on below the surface for many people, they are then as a result of that going to um, 
leaning on crutches, like uh, trying to use things to, to get relief. So a person will go smoke a cigarette because they're in pain, because they're in emotional pain, because they're stressed, then they smoke the cigarette. A person will go drink alcohol because they're in emotional pain or emotional distress. Or a person will eat refined sugar or overeat or do any number of addictive type things. Like, you know, like people can't understand, like, I, I want to stop doing this thing that's not good for me. And I've committed, I'm not going to do it again. Like I, I won't eat the, I won't drink coffee anymore. And then the next day they're drinking coffee again because the emotional pain, that's just very common. So by not going to those, uh, by, by, by going to those things immediately, as soon as the discomfort starts to come up, people can suppress it more and keep, keep away from the suffering of it, just the feeling the pain. Mm. So there's, to heal these emotional, emotional root causes is actually very completely possible. And it's actually the answer. Um, but it's just not the focus. So it, it seems like, you know, people don't make a lot of progress because people just aren't aware of what's really going on. Yeah. It's amazing. Like you've made it so clear in my mind now where it's like, we've, asso- we've made an association between someone smoking and lung cancer. And then we've stopped. We haven't gone the next step to go actually, why are they smoking? What's the cause behind that? Maybe if we deal with that and take it away, they'll get better and it has nothing yeah. to do with cigarettes or the junk food or the soft drink or whatever else it might be. That's really, really interesting. Yeah. yeah. And see, one, one of the reasons this happens is because the entire medical approach is based on science in laboratories. Hmm. <laughs> so like basically most of the cancer research done is done on cancer cells inside of a laboratory inside of a beaker. Yeah. And so they're testing these different, you know, you mentioned chemotherapy, why has nothing really changed? And then the the doctor said to you, well, they've been coming out with new types of chemotherapy all the time. What are you talking about? They just didn't understand like what you're saying is the main approach has never changed. Hmm. So one year they're testing one chemical on a cancer cell in a beaker and then they think, whoa, this killed the cancer cell in a different way. So let's now see if we can inject it into a person's body. And will it kill the cancer cell when it's inside of a body too? And then, you know, this is like the experiment. Mm. And experiments on people. Like, let's just see, you know, when, when a new chemotherapy drug comes out, there's no promise. There's no guarantee. No doctor can say this is definitely going to heal you. They can say it's a 50-50 chance or whatever. Uh, it's a new promising drug, though. Um, it, and, and then it, and if it doesn't work, it's just like, okay, well, back to the drawing board, back to the laboratory. And in my opinion, real research is actually studying people, is actually studying this world, like what's going on in a person's life. Yeah. That's actually real research. And so if you discover, like, what I'm sharing today, discover that first, then you can go to a laboratory to try to understand how the science of it works. <laughs> but exactly. You can't start in the laboratory and then try to, un- you can't start with the small picture and then understand the big picture from that. You got to kind of study the big picture to then understand the parts of it. <laughs> yeah. They just, they just become so myopic now with their approach. It's like, Oh, we have to look further and further and further inside something 
And actually, I think what they need to do is take a big step back and look at the whole picture and treat holistically. When you have a person come to see you and they are suffering from a chronic disease, say, say it's a tumor somewhere. Um, what's your approach like there? Do you um, immediately go and start working on dealing with the stressful impacts and identifying what they are? Or are there other things that you need to do first, other barriers that might be in the way preventing you identifying what's really the underlying cause? Because sometimes people's subconscious will do things to protect whatever that little thing is, right? Um, so is, is there a certain approach that you take? I don't even know if you want to share it. Maybe we have to go and um, read your book, but uh, is there something you'd like to share on that topic? Uh, yeah, sure. I can, I can share um, lots. Um, there's two approaches that I use with people. One is like what you're referring to. Sometimes people are blocked and, and they almost protect the, the root of the problem. And that's exactly right. That's really common because the root of the problem addressing that is usually painful or it, it's, it, it means change and change is oftentimes scary. Uh, people don't know what that really means. So some, and some what, like what's that going to con, um, result in? So if a person, for example, has a, a brain tumor because of chemicals in their workplace, and then we realize, well, that's actually the cause, but they can't change the fact that these chemicals are in the workplace now, well, the only way they're gonna heal now is, is if they change their career. They actually quit that job, mm. but then they can run into this, the, the challenge of that. What, how, how's that going to work? Like if, if they quit the job, how are they going to pay their bills? They're just making ends meet. Will, will they get another job? Or they're not, they don't, uh, you know, so, so in that case, I would probably start coaching people to discover what kind of business they'd like to start. You know, what are their passions? And then they realize, oh my God, and this is how cancer can turn into the greatest thing that ever happened to them wow. because they weren't just um it's not just that they're experiencing chemicals but what's commonly the case too is that this job it, it, overall the, the big picture of the job itself is that they weren't even happy there you know so it isn't just that they're breathing in chemicals but they're working for a company that was also contaminating the planet maybe which didn't sit, sit right with their heart but they felt like they have to make money so they just stay there anyways and 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 they and it just wasn't even good for them anyway. So when they change that job and then go into the unknown and build a new reality for themselves that's based on happiness and their passions, now the chemicals are gone, but also they're being nourished in a deeper way. And then their cancer's gone too. So that's, that's how cancer turns into a gift. Right. So I focus on, yeah, I focus on looking into what's going on in the person's life to figure out what the root cause is. I do two things that look into what's going on in a person's life. And number two is I actually do, of course, start bringing in energy raising principles like health raising principles, because if a person's not, doesn't have enough energy, then they, they will, they might not be able to actually go through the change process because change requires energy. So for example, if, if you write your name, on a piece of paper, it's effortless. Like you would just, if you wrote your name right now, you would just have an easy time with it. Mm. But if I asked you to write your name 
backwards with your other hand, you would probably have one hell of a time because now you're going into a change process where you're having to create like a new reality where now you're able to write your name backwards with your other hand, which is perfectly realistic and possible, right? Like if you really wanted to write your, be able to write your name backwards with your other hand, you could. Yeah. But it would take you, it would take you some time and some, you know, some focus and the focus what you're really doing as you focus on establishing that new reality for yourself is you're focusing energy. Mm. Whereas when you write your, write your name normally as you always have, it requires almost no energy. So it requires almost no energy to just stay in the job that a person's in and keep breathing in the chemicals. But it requires a lot of energy to actually face the fears and carry out the journey of healing which is to change that reality and start maybe their own business so my the other half of my protocol is to start bringing in all the energy raising factors that nourish a human being in physical ways and emotional ways so it's it's kind of like two main focuses address the root cause and bring energy up okay um I was, I just had a thought in my mind. It's a little, well, it's, it's still on topic, but it just popped in. I thought I'll ask the bigger, the stress, the bigger, the tumor or the faster growing. That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when a person's cancer is, um, you know, so sometimes a person's told that their cancer is, um, um, aggressive. (laughs) It's not that it's that, the stress in their life is intense. Wow. It's very intense. And that's causing the cancer to grow faster. So you'll also see benign tumors. So, so sometimes people will, they discover they have a tumor, but it's not growing. Yeah. It it just, it seems, it seems to, it seems to be benign. So they say it's, you know, nothing to worry about, but how did it get there? Right? Like obviously it was growing at some point or else it wouldn't be there. So there was a time period where it was growing and then for some reason it just stopped. And what I would say is the reason it stopped is because the stress actually, the factor that was causing it disappeared or it came to a neutral point where the stress is like um, low enough or temporarily gone. So the cancer doesn't go away yet, um, but it's not growing. So now if the person were to stress was now truly gone, that tumor would eventually disappear. But what oftentimes happens though, is the person has no idea what's going on. Neither does the medical practitioner. They don't know why it's benign. They don't know what caused it. So nothing is really truly addressed. And then that stressful pattern may present itself in the person's life again. And then all of a sudden it is growing. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing. And how does that then correlate to something like a um, metastatic cancer that's spreading? Does that mean that now there's other stresses or emotions that are being involved or is it? That's a great question. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, when cancer spreads, it's because for, for example, um, let's, let's, here's an example. Let's say a person gets colon cancer because they're stressed about money. So that's the root cause. And this goes on and on and on. And the stress is never resolved, never addressed, uh, never focused on. Um, Over time, and and let's say they have their 
the tumor removed or they have chemotherapy or something, the cancer goes away. Then a year later, it comes back. And now it's again in the colon. And it, maybe it's in a couple spots in the colon, but it's, now it's also in the liver. So now they have metastasized cancer to the liver. So it might appear like the cancer has spread and it's now spreading through the body. But what's actually happening is what commonly occurs is when a person's stressed for a long period of time, new emotional stresses can present themselves. Right. So now they might be starting to get angry, just angry about life, like angry about the whole situation, mm. angry that they did their chemotherapy and then the cancer just comes back angry that they're still stressed about money. And um, that, you know, that they, um, any number of things could now have them, they've been in this situation where they felt out of control for so long that they're starting to get angry. And then they, they maybe suppress that. And now their cancer is growing in this, in the liver as well. So usually a stress situation can begin to just spiral out of control and okay. new stresses come in. You know, like you, you have a stressful day at work and you come home. And as soon as you get home, because you're already stressed out, you, um, you, uh, forget to take your shoes off and you walk through the kitchen or walk through the house with your shoes on and put footprints across the floor. And then your wife, you know, um, screams at you like, what the hell are you doing? I just cleaned the floor. And then you get into a fight there. And it's, that wouldn't have even happened if you weren't already stressed from the day. You get what I mean? So st stress can just start to pile on top, of, on top of itself. So the situation can kind of like get out of control. And that's when it appears like cancer is now growing out of control. So like I'm a, uh, I used to be extremely stressed and I actually um, got a chronic health condition. I believe it was from stress and uh, I resolved that 95% now. I was told that it was an incurable uh, thing that I had and I had to be on medication and just manage it for the rest of your life. And um, it's gone basically now, uh, but I've done a lot of fantastic get over that issue. So now this is making me think I've still got stress in my life and I'd prefer not to get cancer. So what can I do um, daily or are there things daily that, the general person can do to help reduce their stress and deal with these emotions as they come up so they can reduce their risk of getting cancer. Um, I've got some good tips for that, but um, there's every, every, everyone's situation is so unique. Yes. Like, so I'll give a general, a general, a, a general tip that would probably, I'm confident would benefit everybody. Okay. But um it requires, like, I can't really answer it fully because it requires a complete understanding of all the needs of a human being. So, like, stress appears. So, I'll also say this. Stress appears when a need is not fulfilled. So, if, if you miss a night's sleep, you actually need sleep as a human being. So, then you'll start to have symptoms appear. Mm -hmm. If you miss, miss a healthy meal because you ate, like, a fast food meal, well, what you need as a human being is healthy food, whole, nutrition-dense food. And so now stress will appear, right? So you have inflammation in your gut if you eat fast food or drink like pasteurized milk. Um, so it, it really comes down to fulfilling needs. So we have a whole range of physical needs, sleep, hydration, which comes from water, not Gatorade and 
um, Red Bull and uh, like coffee. Yeah. So <laughs> there's a lot of things to fix and heal in society. There, it's it's a it's a really big undertaking. Like if if you're someone, and thank you for healing yourself. Thank you for being an example. Because basically, if we're gonna really truly transform planet earth into a planet that's we can like actually be proud of <laughs> you know like like if aliens came to planet earth today they'd probably be thinking like what the hell's going on with this planet uh, they're they this human race doesn't seem to know how to look after itself it doesn't seem to know how to look after the planet it just clear cuts forests and it contaminates its own water just because it makes uh, packaging goods with plastic easier and uh, you know, like the, there's no focus on dancing and singing and art and play and everyone's obsessed with these little coins to buy things. <laughs> it's just, you know, there's disease all over the place and people are so busy that they don't even have time for their kids and, and the whole healthcare system focuses on, it's like what aliens would just think, what is going on on this planet? <laughs> yeah. Um, they would, so the first thing they would say is, listen, you guys are human beings and you need to drink water. Your planet Earth is made of water, 70% water, and your body is 70% water. So we're, we're here to, we're this advanced race and we're here to tell you that you need to drink water. And, no, and then, they, but what they see is Coke and Pepsi and ginger ale that has 10 teaspoons of refined sugar, which is just po poison, actually. It's proven that refined sugar is poisonous to the body. Yes. Caffeine is damaging, alcohol is damaging. It's just incredible what's going on. So it have been normalized and we've been told that they are it's just normalized. So, so to actually heal and prevent cancer and really solve this requires like special human beings. It really requires special human beings. So thank you for actually somehow taking responsibility for yourself, healing what was supposed to be incurable and now doing what you're doing, which is to connect people to the truth and to positive change you know like we need people to do that so so yeah so sorry so num number one is to prevent cancer you have to understand what your needs are and then make a goal to ensure that they're fulfilled and that's actually one what that really amounts to is loving yourself do you love yourself enough to actually learn what your needs are and make goals to eventually come to a point where you fulfill them needs. And so I, it's like, uh, it take me too long to explain all that, but there are physical needs, emotional needs. Like you, you really need to be happy. Nothing has to be perfect. You know, you miss a night's sleep. It doesn't mean you're going to now develop cancer or develop any disease. That's okay. The body can recover from imperfection. If you have a day where you didn't really enjoy your day, you weren't generally happy. That's okay. But, most of the time, like 80% of the time, you need to actually have your emotional needs met. So are you happy? Do you feel meaning in life? Um, are you, um, do you feel like you're, you have a healthy freedom? You know? So those are three needs, happiness, meaning in life, freedom. Um, Some physical examples something that's been taken away from a lot of people in the last 12 months is freedom, Paul. So that, you know, this may have oh, yeah. effects on the uh, global population's health. That's exactly right. The rate of cancer will rise because of the, 
the health response, the health protocol of the pandemic. So, which is focused on no health principles at all. <laughs> the number one, you know, if, if the, if the world was actually hit with a real pandemic, if like whether the pandemic is real or not, let's just pretend it's real. Okay. Let's just pretend that there's actually a pandemic. Yep. If that was actually the case, it would be the most critical thing that the entire world would now need to do to solve that problem would be to unite together and focus on fulfilling our needs. <laughs> yeah. So everyone like works together and, and agrees, we're all gonna start eating organic food. We're all gonna start sleeping like at healthy times and not stay up to one o'clock watching the news in fear. We're gonna get to bed early. Like these are adult mature things. We're gonna all start drinking water. We're gonna, we're gonna shut down the businesses that are feeding poison to everyone that causes people to get sick. We're gonna start, you know, like a, an actual health solution. We're going to get people out into nature. Everyone's encouraged to go and connect to nature. Everyone's encouraged to, um, um, here's another tip I wanted to give you to prevent cancer. This is huge. It seems small, but it's very big, but to spend time alone each day, hmm. actually spend time alone each day, even if it's just 20 minutes. So you wake up in the morning, for example, you go for a walk, you get fresh air, you connect to nature and you're free without any pressures of work or potential relationship challenges that can happen sometimes, like you're just away from it all and walking alone. And in that 20 minute period, it kind of helps set the nervous system into more of a parasympathetic mode. It's, you know, you start your day off with relaxation instead of hitting the phone right away or hitting, you know, responsibilities. And when you're alone and you breathe, it really changes your ability to give to others because you've kind of given to yourself already. Then you can kind of give your energy to others. Mm. So that's, that's one that would help. I'm pretty confident that would help every single person to prevent cancer. Actually, it also gives you a chance to process. Um, so in my course on uh, preventing cancer, I have a whole process that I've kind of developed over the years which helps ensure that chronic stress doesn't s stick with you in your system. Um, but it, it has to do with expressing out emotions and connecting to different parts of like the healing process. Um, like for example, it, it's too much to explain in this, in this talk, but as an example, let's say you've done something and you feel it was a mistake. Well, that can happen. So now you're walking forward on a daily basis, feeling regret or feeling guilt. And those are two stressful emotions that can just be carried for days. Mm. So one of the key parts of this process that I've created, this is just one component, but as an example, saying the words, I'm sorry, actually heals that. Right. If you actually just say you're sorry and you don't necessarily have to say it to the person, you have to mean it. Yeah. But so when you're walking alone, you can process and say, I'm so sorry that I did that. And when you say that and mean it, and you might have to say it a few times, now you don't regret it anymore. And now you don't carry this guilt. And so now the chronic stress dissolves out of the system. So it's, there's, 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 there's a lot that I would need to share. That's why I've created the course, but those three things like with your, with your consciousness, and your values and with your virtues and also with your experience in healing yourself and understanding that you need to make changes. 
you're probably one of the people that wouldn't develop cancer. You know, um, but with those tips, spend time alone each day, process your emotions so that you don't carry anything for long periods of time. Like grief, for example, is carried for years and then turns into lung cancer. Um, and, and know what your needs are and make sure they're fulfilled uh, 80% of the time. And that's, that's how you prevent cancer. So if you have a client coming in to see you who is, I don't know, in an early stage or say they're in a late stage, it's obviously going to take different amounts of time for them to heal, right? So a person who's early stage will heal faster than someone who's in a later stage or does it not matter? They just heal at a very rapid pace or is this something that takes um, months or years for people to deal with and, and recover from what, what's the sort of outcomes there? Thank you. That's such a good question. You, you might be surprised to hear this, but um, what I have found is that generally it takes three weeks to reverse cancer. <laughs> and and, and it, so let me explain why that is. So it's, because it's kind of complex to explain why that is with cancer, but it, it'd be easier for me to give you a different um, explanation as to why that is. So remember, first of all, that the entire war on cancer doesn't address the root cause. So... That's why it sounds so shocking that, and I, and I must just connect now too. And, and like, if anyone listens to this to this podcast who has lost someone to cancer already, um, or has cancer, um, uh, you know, hearing me make a statement like that could really, I, I, I want to be sensitive about this, mm-hmm. you know, because one of the things that happened to me is when, when my stepfather and my best friend's father died of cancer, two years later, I had finally started to figure this out. That's when I, I really started to know what they actually needed to heal. Mm. And that was actually at least just as painful, maybe more painful to discover that, to realize like big, big, later that there was actually an answer that I wasn't aware of. Mm. So I want to just acknowledge anyone that's affected by cancer now um, with, you know, with my explanation, I, all we can do is, in my opinion, if you've been affected by cancer, one of the best things that you can do now in response to that is now start taking responsibility. Now start looking at the truth. Use that as motivation to start making positive change, you know, to really make a difference. And that's what I meant before. Like when people, cancer is an awful, awful disease. If, if you do actually, if cancer does grow and take a person's life, it's, it's really tragic. Mm. So in that way, cancer can be the motivating force to really put a stop to all this you know, all this stuff that really needs to be fixed on planet earth. Mm. So I just want to say that as a precursor and, but yes, I have indeed discovered that it takes generally three weeks to reverse cancer. Now that's, that's, that's what I've experienced in my, in my work because it's, this is also speaking about a person who has completely left their life 
Like in, in my re cancer reversal program, we have people leave their existing reality entirely and live alone with guidance and support from us. Like they live with us and we, and our, and our helpers. So all their stress is gone, like completely gone. And then they're focusing on all health principles that raise their energy and addressing the root cause and resolving it. So with that kind of an intense protocol, it takes generally three weeks. And the reason is because, so to help put that into more perspective, so it seems realistic, because maybe it doesn't seem realistic. And I love to share this analogy too. Um, and it helps to explain how the body actually works. But you, if all human beings can develop a callus on their hand. So if, if you and I started working out in the gym together on a regular basis, or we started working in construction, swinging a hammer or using a shovel or, you know, farming and using rakes and shovels or something, we would develop calluses on our hands, right? And a callus, why does a callus grow? It grows for one reason. It's in response to stress. So the cause of the callus is actually stress. It's not emotional stress. It's not spiritual stress. It's not the more complex types, types of stresses. And cancer is more complex, obviously. But it's, it's a physical stress. And when that physical stress is chronic through the hand, the body responds by growing a callus. And as I explained in my book, The Root Cause of Cancer, the body is actually responding to stress and growing cancer. Because cancer actually, long story short, helps a person survive the stress. It actually affects the physiology in ways that helps a person survive longer. So it's showing up. It actually has a purpose. My book was first called The Purpose of Cancer, but I've, I've switched it to the root cause because people were misinterpreting the title. So, so a callus grows in response to physical stress. So let's say you've got a callus for five years. <laughs> You and I have been working out in the gym for five years. We've got calluses on our hands for five years. And then we both decide, or no, let's say you're in construction and you're using the shovel and I'm working out in the gym. I've got a callus on my hand. You've got a callus on your hand. Well, first of all, if you want to get rid of your callus, do you think burning it or poisoning it so it falls off is going to be a solution? Probably not. It's going to grow back, right? Yeah. And likewise with me. Or if I start eating organic food or take some kind of supplement, is my callus going to go away? <laughs> probably. Probably. Well, no, no, probably not. Right. Because I'm, I'm still working out in the gym. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, if you're still doing the thing that's causing the problem, of course. Yeah. It's not going to. Right. Right. So, right. So my, my, let's call it healing to get rid of my callus would be to stop working out in the gym or modify something in the gym. Like maybe I could wear gloves. And now my callus goes away. And if you need to get rid of your callus, well, it has nothing to do with the gym, but it has to do with the shovel and work, right? So let's say, let's say I stop working out in the gym and you stop working in construction. Do you see how there's actually just a specific time period generally that it would take for that callus to disappear? Yeah. So I, I haven't tested that, but let's just make an assumption. Um, like I don't think it would take a year for your callus to disappear. Um, I, I don't know, like I haven't tested it, but let's say your callus would generally be gone in say two months. Mm -hmm. Well, mine actually would be too, generally. Mm. Mine could be a little thicker than yours, maybe because the, the stress through my hand was more intense than yours because of 
you know, doing a chin up probably puts more stress to the hands than using a shovel or something. So mm -hmm. there, there's still variables at hand, but as a general statement, our calluses would probably disappear in about two months once the root cause was actually addressed and resolved. Okay. So this applies for all cancers. Right. That's the, it's because it's all, they're all resulting from a general, generally the same cause. Yeah. It's a unique cause, but the general cause is stress, chronic stress. And they're not all different types of cancers, really. It's just the same thing. It's just in different locations in the body. Yeah, right. that's right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And that's when you're talking about that point, there's two things I want to bring up there. One was like in these um, big trials that they do where they have, say, 10,000 people and they've all got a condition, say it's heart disease, and they come in with an intervention and give it to the group of people and only 10% of them get better. They go, well, that wasn't the intervention, but it was the intervention that was the right thing for those 10% of the people. The other 90% of the people didn't get the correct intervention for them that they needed to heal. So that's sort of what right. here, as long as you address the cause, it can be a similar disease, but different cause. So it's not that one size fits all approach, which is what we're getting yeah. sort of the mainstream medicine model is that one size fits all. Right. And when exactly. you exactly at this um, three week healing, uh, it reminded me of this uh, presentation that I saw by a guy called Greg Braden. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but um, he was giving a presentation many years ago and he showed a video of this Chinese hospital a person in there with bladder cancer. And they had a group of healers come into the room and they had an ultrasound over the bladder cancer. And these people prayed, this is probably sounding a bit weird, but these healers prayed over the person. Um, and they literally watched the tumor, uh, disappear in front of their eyes when they were looking at it on the ultrasound. So if the body can move something out of the system that quickly within a matter of minutes, um, I can't remember exactly how long it took on this video, but it happened almost instantaneously. Then I don't think it's that far of a stretch that people can heal within three weeks. And obviously you're seeing this, like you're not just saying it and you're not actually doing it. You're on the ground, you're helping people, you're seeing this response. So it must've been pretty yeah. opening for you the first time that you witnessed something like that. Yeah. And well, in the beginning, like I said, after my stepfather died, I just started thinking way outside the box and wondering, well, maybe our whole theory about cancer is wrong. And um, maybe there's some kind of a function or purpose that cancer has in the body and so that was a theory then, but now it's not a theory. Hmm. Like now I just actually know that that's what, it, that what it is. Um, so <laughs> and, and the question just is, will the world actually learn this or will, you know, is the world ready to learn this? Are people ready to really engage in true healing of our planet and of humanity? Or are we just going to continue this like, decade long focus on money you know perpetuating problems to you know that's the real question does the human race do we have enough individuals that can step up to the plate 
Exactly. And uh, yeah, people willing to take their head out of the sand and listen to um, people like you and what you're saying. Whereas I think many people um, who are not in tune with their body or healing or any of that sort of stuff may listen to this and go, Oh, what a load of nonsense. But I think we have to take uh, these things seriously and start investigating this with real science and showing that, that it's, um, you know, a possibility because we're heading for like a one in one rate of, of cancer. Basically yeah. everyone will develop it in their lifetime. And there's yeah. any hypotheses out there about what it could be. And if it does turn out to be, you know, what you're saying and the, uh, the stress is the big driving factor of that, uh, we could end this whole thing in a matter of next to no time at all. Right. Um, that's a really sort of amazing thought process and, and proposition, isn't it? Yeah. It's fun. It's I've never had that conversation with someone, but it's, as you say that it makes me think, yeah, you know, I think maybe it could actually be solved in one generation because we would have to start with the children because once the deepest parts of cancer are understood, which I'm going to write about in my third book um, because I kind of feel like people can only handle so much of the truth so fast. So the first book is explaining with science actually and it um, how my, my explanation. So I actually have, there is science that exists to support what I'm saying. I just had to find it in bits and pieces because no one's studying it direct from what I'm saying yet, as far as I'm aware but um, there's, I have all the science in the book that shows how um, the body actually builds cancer cells. It protects them. The immune system does not destroy cancer cells. The body builds arteries to tumors to supply blood flow. Cancer cells have specific functions. They have, they have 23 times more insulin receptors on the surface of their cell, oh. which makes them highly efficient at, at absorbing sugar from the bloodstream. And, um, wasting it like getting rid of it um and and on and on the, the science of it is very fascinating in my opinion but that's still never been my focus um yeah so the first book is that has the science in there and it's more physically focused the second book is on the emotional realm and the third book is on on all the changes that we need to make in society to the best that i can think of what i've learned and I'm sh like once, once other, as more and more people like yourself and more and more conscious human beings that really want to take responsibility for themselves and humanity, learn about the root cause of cancer. I think we'll, we can heal it really fast. And one, one of the, one of the foundations of that, I think will be starting with our children, like the new generation from basically the day they're born, mm. they need to be like, things have to be done differently. Because right now, when a child is born, they're coming into a world where one in two people are developing cancer. Yep. So that means every other child that's being born is being set up to develop cancer one day. Um, that's a problem. And so I think we, once it's really understood and, and the world really takes responsibility, yeah, we can end it very quickly. I haven't thought about that fully, but I, I love that you said that. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, yeah, I, 
have been sort of thinking along these lines for a little while now, probably the last six or so, maybe a little bit longer, six or so months. But this notion of health being this mystery, it's so difficult to become healthy or what's the secret? Um, you know, you have to go to the guy in the white coat who's the gatekeeper to the information and you have no role in your healing process. The only person that can help you is the man who studied for 15 or 20 years and he's got the magic, the magic prescription pad. Where we've been fed this almost like a false information where people don't realize that they hold the key to their own health and they can heal from within and they can do it very quickly and very easily and very simply. And it's really, um, it comes down to one of the facets of natural medicine, which is um, docere, doctor is teacher. So it's gotten very little with us actually providing a treatment to someone and more to do with teaching them and giving them the tools how to heal themselves. And once we've done that, it's, it's done. It's over. It's not 20 years of taking a pill after pill after pill or cutting or burning or doing these things to try and, um, you know, destroy this disease. Um, it all comes from within us. And I actually think it can be quite simple to achieve that. We just need to know how. So this is where people like yourself are coming out and, and speaking about the results they're getting with the, with their clients um, like how many people over the years would you have said that you've seen? Uh, would it be tens, hundreds, thousands? Like how many people are we talking here that you've helped? Um, not thousands. It would be in the hundreds. Yeah. Low hundreds too. It's not a large number of people. It's just the extension of um, how much time spent together like uh, living together for 30 days and going into a full, full assessment of an entire person's life. Like we look into their childhood, into their, their entire past, and we consider the future and what's going on presently in their life. Hmm. Yeah. It's, that's so, interesting. And even when you say like low hundreds, uh, I can probably tell you how many people that I've assisted with cancer and it wouldn't even be anywhere close to a hundred. So I think you've done amazing, uh, amazing work there. And you were talking about your course as well. So is this something that like practitioners can, or just general, um, the general public can go and look up online or is this something that they need to come to you for? Uh, can you talk a little bit about that and how people get access to this? Yeah, definitely. Um, there was something you said that I really appreciated and I just wanted to make a small comment. Once, once people are actually healed from all this conditioning of society and all these fears and all this sort of like uh, material based, superficial focused and not really understanding needs and, and not knowing what to do about it and just kind of accepting the current reality, part of healing is actually shedding all of that. When a person's actually healed, one of the indications that you've healed yourself is that you actually want other people to become independent. 
You mm -hmm. actually want to teach them independence. You don't want to just save them or fix them and create some kind of dependency on you. You, you want the world to be independent and healed. And that's how you know if you've healed because you want that now because it feels so good to have it. <laughs> yeah. So then, of course, you want it for other people. Um, yeah, so thanks for mentioning my courses. Um, we've been designing the course together, uh, like um, my partner and I, so that anyone can take it because anyone who has the the heart or the, you know, the passion or the time, you know, the realistic, if it's realistic for them to invest into this, um, to start learning about this in a deeper way, I, we just want that available to everyone. So there's three, three levels of um, intensity to learn. Um, and we have cancer prevention coach like to become a cancer for prevention coach to, to understand this very deeply to help people truly prevent cancer um, and then we have cancer or sorry the first is cancer awareness coach and then cancer prevention coach and then cancer reversal coach so um, those are the three levels of training and we have a brief description of the course on our website at wheeloflife.ca um, and most of my work has been with people in, in just single sessions, you know, um, with clients, single sessions. So in terms of how many people that have worked with me in the cancer residency, in the reversal residency, it's just been a few dozen, <clears throat> just been a few dozen. But um, that's where the success rate is massively high. Um, and it's really just simple because once, once it can be resolved, the body, the body knows how to heal. It's yeah. like when you, when, you stop, when you stop using the shovel or stop working out of the gym, it's not like you have to do anything now. You just have to now let the body heal. The callus just goes away. It cleans, cleans up the callus. So um, my, my, book, my book is essential to read. Uh, the first book is essential to read to really understand the root cause because we, we didn't talk a whole lot about how this works scientifically, but it's, it's important to just read the root cause so that's at my book's at um www.thepurposeofcancer.com and i'm hoping to have the second book ready um sometime soon <laughs> okay. i just want to say sometime soon i'm thinking like two months but it's it's difficult to um i have a lot going on but the second book is about the emotional causes and then i correlate i have it all mapped out i'm showing how it works and which cancer and um then the third book like i said will be talking about the types of the deeper causes that lead to these problems to begin with you know like how does a person why does a person end up in a job where they're constantly worrying about money and the job doesn't make them happy how does that happen why so there's reasons for that <laughs> yeah uh, as many of probably 95 percent of the world's populations in that position right Right. And it's, it's not a way to live. So the question is, do you want to basically have the courage to face your fears and start moving into the unknown and, and, you know, make a dream and make a goal, make a prayer and go for it and make a change or just uh, use your free will to remain put in the system, in the current reality that, you know, that's been here for a while. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's another um, like entire conversation that I think we could we could have. And I'm just looking here. We've been talking for almost two hours. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, we should probably cut it then because people people don't have that much time available. <laughs> but you know, it, it, the conversation yeah. has just gone um, just so easily, and the information is just so good, and. I'm so grateful that you came on to speak to me and share this information, not just with me, but all the listeners. And what I'm going to do is put all the links to your website, to the course, to the book in the show notes so that people can go there and they can uh, start to investigate this a little bit further. And uh, yeah, I'll certainly be uh, ordering one of those books after we get off the, uh, the podcast and uh, looking forward Fantastic. to it very much. So as we thank you oh not a problem as we move into the the final stages is there anything that you'd like to sort of add in closing Mm. Um. if not that's okay we've we've covered a lot of things but didn't want i just thought i'd give you a last opportunity if there was anything you thought that was important that we haven't yeah well i'm glad you said that because there there was something that i felt really inspired to share a little while ago and now it's like i've I've forgotten what it was maybe i already said it i'm not sure yeah um but yeah i think maybe that's just it for now yeah Uh, if you'd like to if you'd like to do another podcast on another topic if that fits in the future i'm i'd love to for sure. No, I've really enjoyed yeah. the conversation and it's a great way for, for me to learn. And it's also a great way for other clinicians to learn and get exposure to this. Cause what happens, Paul, is that um, we get this information out, I don't know, to a couple of hundred clinicians and then they get the information out to a couple of hundred of their patients each. So it's, it's having like this snowball effect, right? from one person, from yourself, we can then affect the lives of tens of thousands of people with this. So I think that's pretty exciting. And yeah, the more you're more than welcome to come back anytime. I'd, I'd love to have you on. Thank you so much. I think your, your closing comment was just perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really appreciate that, Paul. Uh, thanks so much for your time. And we'll talk again soon. thanks a lot daniel no worries and thanks and thanks everyone else for listening and i realized that um it just depends for some people it's really challenging to hear this for different reasons like i said if someone lost someone to cancer it's cancer it's just um there's it's it's solving cancer really requires a lot of change for in so many different ways and and it's uh not necessarily an easy task so thank you so much for all to all your listeners who who, who it resonated with yeah no i think you'll and it was a pleasure to meet you daniel i i really appreciate you thanks a lot no, i appreciate you too it was great to meet you and um yeah we'll definitely catch up again soon i'm gonna go and buy a copy of your book <laughs> okay fantastic thanks thank you, you. Okay. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. 
if you have any questions or comments, head on over to humanly.com slash podcast and join the discussion. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and become part of our growing community of like-minded health professionals. Until next time.